The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, and Joe Costanzo. Hi, and welcome back to the Drop Back Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis, and I'm joined down the line by Joe Costanzo. Hi, Slew, how are you doing? Only me, but this is all you need, so it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Matt is coincidentally on holiday this week after his Miami Dolphins got battered by Joseph's Baltimore Ravens but we'll get to that in a little bit we're going to break down all the week one games we're going to have a look at the Antonio Brown news and see did he mean to go to the Patriots was that all a big old ploy and then we're going to look forward to week two but before we get on to that the NFL kicked off on Thursday night with the Packers at the Bears not so much of a bang more of a let's call it a defensive struggle to be kind yeah uh, I would I personally had this going to the Packers I, th- I thought you know there'd be a bit more offense than there was um, I think the, the key takeaway for me here is kind of Mitch Trubisky as a potential franchise QB I mean I know it's only week one of the NFL season but you, when you look at his competitors in that draft alone Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes and what they're doing now and we compare it to what we see in Mitch Trubisky and the talent we see there I don't know if the Bears have as much faith in their young quarterback than than, uh, the Texans and the Chiefs do. I think what we saw on Thursday's game was um, he would roll out the pocket and just not sort of oversee his his, second and third option receivers and just sort of panic and and run and it would be his first instinct, which is still like a rookie thing you expect to have a rookie quarterback, not someone in their third year starting who's potentially supposed to be the franchise QB for this team. Um, but yeah, it was it was a defensive struggle, definitely. <laughs> what were your takeaways, Slew? Yeah, my biggest takeaway was the fact that when Mitch Trubisky's passing 45 times, but only completing 26 of them, why are you still going to the air? You have a running back in David Montgomery who looked pretty good when he managed to get the ball, but they only handed it off to him six times. They didn't... They didn't employ many dump-off options. He caught it once for 27 yards. And this isn't just me as a bitter fantasy owner talking either. (laughs) He looked like the best piece on their offense. Maybe behind Alan Robinson. But he he just... The play calls by Matt Nagy were baffling at times. Yeah, I I thought that as well. I I, I think they're doing this weird sort of like rotation of running backs where they want everyone to sort of get out. The same amount of carries. Uh, they had that fumble on the start from Tariq Cohen. Didn't give the ball to him since that point. Um, but other than that, they, yeah, they kept splitting carry, uh, splitting time between Mike Davis, David Montgomery, and Tariq Cohen. I really don't know if that's what I would do. I, I would probably put faith into my um, my draft selection in David Montgomery. He looked shifty when he when he got the ball in a. In, you know he'd make the first guy miss, so why don't you just give him more touches, give him a chance to sort of prove himself as a as a rookie running back? You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the Packers defense had a lot talked about this off season. They went out, they got the two Smiths in Preston and Zedarius. Mm-hmm. They brought in Adrian Amos as well, who ended up sealing the game with a, a pick off a, another questionable Mitch Trubisky throw, which seemed to be the only one he threw to his left all night. Yeah. And you can see why he sort of avoided throwing to that side. He just floats up into the end zone, straight into double coverage. And that sealed the win for the Packers. They managed to go in Soldiers Field, get a, nick a result, and they're in the driving seat of the NFC North. It's in their hands now. I mean, it's only week one, but someone's got to be in the lead. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think it's an interesting NFC North, but given the other results, which we'll we'll get onto later. But um, yeah, no, I I thought it had to be Adrian Amos, didn't it, to to take him up, <laughs> take it away at the end of the game there, um, coming from that prestigious defense last year. But um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's kind of between the the Packers and the the Vikings division to win. Uh, from what we've saw mm-hmm. last week, it's an interesting one. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'd like to see the Packers take another step forwards offensively as well. They only seem to do much wh- again when Rogers took things into his own hand. We didn't see a whole lot of the outside zone package working that much for the Packers, and it was when Rogers was doing bits of magic, just not even looking downfield and just absolutely slinging it forty yards because <laughs> he can. Yeah, classic. And the Super Bowl runners-up, the Los Angeles Rams, are in action 6 o'clock British time, away to the Carolina Panthers, who some t- some people think could be a pretty tasty team this year. Joe, what do you make of this match? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was it was pretty compelling from both sides. I, the one thing I, I took away was um, Christian McCaffrey's performance. I know they, that the Panthers came up on the losing, losing side on this one, but over 200 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns. I think he made everyone who picked him in the first round of their fantasy drafts pretty damn happy. Christian McCaffrey had an absolutely incredible day and the reports coming out over the offseason were that he's bulked up considerably and he hasn't lost any of his pace or agility and he seems to have gained more of an ability to go in between the tackles and get the hard yards. Mm. Is that, that something you were impressed stacked. by? That boy is absolutely stacked on all levels. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much muscle he put on, but he, he looks like a, a significantly larger. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the NFL uh, substance people might be knocking on his door a fair amount from now on, just making <laughs> sure. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I think he had a really amazing day over... Like I said, over 200 yards from scrimmage is, is nothing to, to shine home uh, to be disappointed about. But obviously they had that in a loss. I think the Rams' offense performed less than what, we, what we'd what expect, to be honest. Um, but Absolutely. Yeah, I th- I th- yeah, so Jared Goff missed a couple of open throws. You expect him to be able to make. He showed last year the steps he's taken forwards about being an accurate passer. But there were some open balls that just sailed on on him a few times. Fortunately for him and the Rams, Malcolm Brown, Todd Gurley's understudy, came to play. And it meant they were able to not run Todd Gurley's arthritic knee straight into the ground mm. at the beginning of the season. That happened last year a bit. He, he tailed off towards the end of the year. His yards per game sh- absolutely sunk. And if they're able to keep him healthier this year as they go forward... There's no reason they can't be as successful as they were last year and maybe take that next step. Yeah, I, I think it was it was pretty good uh, relief work from Mal- Malcolm Brown on Todd Gurley there. Um, you've got to keep your MVP candidate MVP ready and, and I think coming off the bench to, to score two touchdowns and kind of split carries with, with Gurley, like you said, um, was an interesting decision, but it really paid off for the, for the Rams. And I'm interested to see how much Malcolm Brown gets the ball as we go along and as these sort of questions are re- constantly raised about Todd Gurley's knee. Um, yeah, so the Redskins at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I can't lie, halfway through the second quarter and by the end at half time as well, I was absolutely bricking it. Here we are, Super Bowl contenders <laughs> supposedly going to the year and losing to a Case Keenum-led Redskins. But then 
Uh, secondary just didn't perform to start the game, but then came out in the second half. The defensive line looked strong, getting a bit more pressure on Case, stopping that Redskins running game that was absolutely gashing us in the first half. Yeah. And the offensive line, and particularly Brandon Brooks, were much more solid in the second half. We were able to expand the rushing game a bit. That first drive we had out of the second half was the turning, changing point in that game. Able to put a few more points on that board. And I think the Ray, uh, Redskins only scored um, a last-minute touchdown after that half. Uh, yeah, the, the Redskins only scored in the, in the fourth quarter from, from that point. They were really uh, steaming along just before then. But um, I thought it was a really impressive game from Deshaun Jackson here. Uh, looked like the Absolutely. Deshaun Jackson of old, you know. Sort of um, 154 yards for two touchdowns. It's crazy. Like, Yeah, 100, 100 of those yards were in two catches, basically. Yeah. And I th- what he gives his Eagles a little something different. Like last year, we didn't have anyone to stretch the field. Teams were able to double down on Alshon Jeffrey, mm. who's a big body receiver. He had a really good game, actually, in the second half once the Redskins defense was opened up but you saw that once Jackson showed himself as a threat the running game improved Alshon Jeffrey got a bit more open Ertz got more involved and it, the amount of weapons that the Eagles have on display if they were able to play like they did in the second half Wentz had a great game there's no reason they couldn't challenge for the Super Bowl this year uh, it's interesting to hear from a, from an Eagles fan as well who do you think uh, should get the majority of the carries for your, for your team, the, yeah, the running back position I'm talking about, obviously. Um, it, to be honest, I quite do quite like the mixed approach. I thought Darren Sproles did well when he was given the ball. Miles Sanders did a little... He was inconsistent to start with, but he mm. started... He got into the game a little bit in the second half. And I really did like what Jordan Howard did when he was given the opportunity to run out the clock a bit. He was a big, bruising runner when they, that Redskins front was knackered. You don't have to rely on Jordan Howard. Um, exactly. You can have a bit more flexibility, attack them in any way you want with those three. And so the Bills-Jets, which was being teed up for the game that will decide which team gets the privilege of losing to the Patriots <laughs> in the race for the AFC East. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I don't mind going first on this one. I, I predicted that the Jets might take this. Um, I thought... The, the the weapons that Sam Donald has acquired over the last year would um, come to fruition here. And we did see Jameson Crowder get a decent game, all, just one yard shy of 100. Uh, Lev Bell did, doing some damage over the air and the ground, but I just... It, it wasn't impressive from either team, really. I wasn't um, particularly taken away by anything here. Other than yeah, um, that's fair. I, th- I think the Bills were solid. I think the defense has proved that it could be a trouble for a lot of teams this year. Mm. And I like Josh Rosen. Seems to- Josh Rosen. Josh Allen seems to have grown as a passer this year. Not just Josh Rosen has not ability, grown as a but able. <laughs> no, it'd be difficult for him <laughs> without being given the ball without getting pummeled straight after. But Rosen. I did it again. Josh Allen proved that he can sit back in the pocket, make his reads a bit more, and fire downfield to make completions. And he's and John Brown and Cole Beasley proved to be apt acquisitions for them. The O line looks more sturdy, and that helped. His two picks, which you're going to look at the box score and go, "Oh, typical Allen, loose with the football, throwing it everywhere, not really tearing teams apart." But one was on a 
ball that bounced up from the receiver's hands that should have been caught, and the other one was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Mm. I don't think it's fair to blame either of those on Allen. I think he's shown steps forward. If it, Again, it was against the Jets' defence that is a bit weaker in the secondary. But he can improve this year, and I think he could take the Bills to a 9-7, 10-6 season, and he can challenge for that. AFC wildcard spots. Yeah, I think uh, as well what you were saying before with Deshaun Jackson and his ability to stretch the field is kind of what they have with John Brown at the moment. I I remember when mm-hmm. John Brown was at the Ravens, I, I really wasn't I wasn't expecting anything special, but he was a solid sort of seven hundred yard a season uh, receiver. But he gave, he did take the top off a defense, and people have to respect that, and it opens up more options underneath. So I. Pretty, Absolutely. I'm pretty certain um, we're, we're not going to see the Bills um, in the playoffs anytime soon. But, you know, unlike some people's predictions, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely, and you just never know. And two teams that do look like they could be fighting for a playoff spot going into the game on Sunday, the Falcons at the Vikings, and mm. one team proved to be very superior. Yeah. The, the Vikings looked pretty damn good in this one. Um, Dalvin Cook had an amazing game, game, both for the Vikings and for my fantasy team, scoring me 24, <laughs> 24 points overall. But, uh, yeah, no, I was, I was really impressed by the Vikings here. I, I thought, you know, we know the Vikings' defense is great, um, and but we just weren't sure how consistent Kirk Cousins would be. Uh, obviously limited action mm. in this game but um yeah i mean you didn't really but need he, to because he did what he needed to do exactly like at the end of the day he was he was efficient 80 percent of his mm-hmm. passes were completed um not the biggest game from his receiving talent but davin cook was eating him up on the ground so absolutely and i appreciate what he said after the game he said he doesn't matter how many passes he throws as long as they win the game mm. the question mark I did have the Vikings that Grady Jarrett was absolutely wrecking the interior of that O-line they had success when they went outside on the run plays but um, L. Flynn and Bradbury looked a bit overwhelmed by Grady Jarrett who is a good player but there are better D tackles in this league mm. and you do worry what's going to come up when they play teams that have a solid D line not just one really good player are you, uh, are you against Tack McKinley and his uh I'm not, but he's not a game wrecker in the same way, is he? No. It's not like what the Bears have or what the Packers look like they may have this year. Yeah, that's true. And what the Lions have. They're going to face some tough games in that division if they can't shore up the interior of that line. And with the Falcons, it seemed it was the same as it has been for the last two years. Their O-line looked a bit iffy. Their rookie, um, Chris Lindstrom, looks like he's broken his foot in that game. He's going to be out for a while. And with an O-line, it doesn't look as strong as it they were hoping it could be that they tilt, tinkered with a bit in the off-season. That could be a worry going forward. And again, in the red zone, they managed to get that 80 yards or 70 yards, whatever it is they have in the <laughs> middle of the field. They seem, they're one of the best offences for football. Matt mm-hmm. Ryan's able to sit back, pick defensive apart. But I don't know what happens. As soon as they get to 20 yards out, they don't seem to be able to convert the ball consistently. And I think that's going to be what haunts them for the rest of this season. It's not like they don't have the talent to do that. You you have one of the best receivers. No, it's in just the odd. I don't know if it's bad play calling, panicking, but something needs to change if that if the Falcons want to win games this year. Which takes us to the game that I'm not even going to talk about. I'm going to let Joe just wax lyrical 
about, and that's the Ravens against the Dolphins. Oh, do I need to? Do do I really need to speak about this? Um, I just mm-hmm. remember exactly. I'll stop you when you go on too long, but <laughs> I um I I remember ringing Slew, being very ecstatic about how we've Lamar Jackson is a he's a best. I don't want to you know get a bit carried away here, but I know it was against the Miami Dolphins and. The Dolphins are in full-on tank mode. It, that was abundantly clear from last week's performance. But i got to say I'm very excited about this Ravens offense right now. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously threw 17 for, uh, for 20 for 324 yards for five touchdowns, which is ridiculous. Um, the, surprising, the most surprising start out of Lamar Jackson, I would say, this game is that he only ran the ball three times. don't think anyone's expecting him to rush the ball for less than 10 times a game uh, but the fact that he stood in stood in the pocket took his shots deep um it looks like hollywood brown is going to be an amazing receiver for us like we said before taking the top off the defense he it just looked like no one could match his speed to be honest mm-hmm. um, mark andrews is that tyreek hill factor when he first came in the league exactly yeah like if if he's one-on-one with a with a corner their chances are just throw it deep because he'll make it um, I think Mark Andrews has, has come come a long way. Uh, we saw some talent from him last year, but it, he had over a hundred yards and, and a touchdown as well. So, I, honestly, I think we knew the defense was going to perform well, especially against this Dolphins um, team. But just all round, Mark Ingram had a show. Uh, Gus Edwards, our rushing game was amazing. Our you know our aerial attack was amazing. I'm ecstatic your backup quarterback was throwing touchdowns yeah RG... it was it was the perfect game the perfect way to start the season <laughs> rg3 was six for six <laughs> for a touchdown absolutely and when you compare that to the team that's expected to win this division the cleveland browns Ooh. it just shows sometimes that maybe skill positions aren't anything i know there's gonna be a lot of overreaction saying the browns are done now let's have them Put their but in a way time. do you think they needed this i think it's probably quite healthy i think um in all honesty uh, we we kind of I assume you might have seen, but Jarvis Landry kind of snapped a, a reporter for asking the question, um, do you think that lack of pre-season snaps for your starters uh, might have played a role into this? And obviously he snapped and mm-hmm. was like, no, I- I'm not answering that question, throwing him off to the side. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a valid question. Like, OBJ didn't didn't play a snap Absolutely. in the pre-season. We, we didn't build this chemistry here. Um, in actual game scenarios enough to to have confidence in that offense mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, obviously, we... I think the biggest issues. Sorry, I think the biggest issues that the Browns had this year was just discipline. Yeah, they had eighteen total penalties accepted, one hundred and seven yards of it in the first half. And you look at Miles Jack punching some Miles Garrett punching someone in the head, mm. Greg Robinson kicking Kenny Vaccaro <laughs> in the head to get himself ejected, because... and then they lost the O lineman that came into replace Robinson and that O-line was not looking good I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in the in a podcast and we were we all thought that they had the talent to overcome such a good such a bad O-line but if their line continues to not let Baker Mayfield play like he did not look confident part with it he was stepping out of throws on his back foot not not stepping into them and they were falling in complete uh, throws that should have gone for first downs. I, yeah, I completely agree. And to be honest, this this game wasn't even as bad as the scoreline suggests. I mean, a lot of points. They scored 21 points in, in the fourth quarter of the Titans. So um, 
I do think it's definitely a learning experience for the Browns, but I think they're going. This was kind of good for them, like we were saying before mm-hmm. going in when they, when you label a team as having a perfect roster or you know this whole like Philadelphia Eagles dream team scenario, where every oh, they couldn't possibly lose. Look at the guys they have, and it's like, well, you don't know how those guys are going to play together until they're on the field in a real NFL season game and. What we've seen in week one is that they're 0-1. They need to need to tighten things up. They need to get rid of all these stupid penalties that cost them so much on every single drive. Um, any sort of positive play was negated by a penalty. So, you know. Um... Absolutely, yeah. Uh, which brings us to the Chiefs and Jags, which looked like it could have shaped up into a bit of classic. But Miles Jack then decided to smash someone in the head mm. and then he was ruled out and the Chiefs sort of ran rampant even without Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um it's the Sammy Watkins show, as I as I mentioned. He was he was being adequate uh sort of receiver for the for the Chiefs this year and he, he's gonna have to be now that uh, Tyreek Hill's out with an mm. injury potentially on IR I believe. But um yeah almost two hundred yards receiving for three touchdowns. Have a day son. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Absolutely we're getting to the point where we're not exactly surprised by this Chiefs offence anymore with Patrick Mahomes behind it. But what we do need to be concerned about as well is what can Gardner Minshew do? Oh, He came into Nick Foles, who's broken his clavicle, and had actually the best throw um, completion for any rookie quarterback on his debut. Can, he, can that be replicated again? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I remember starting this game, coming off uh, watching a bunch of Ravens highlights. Um, I... I turned on red zone, found, saw this, and I was like, who's starting at quarterback for the... Gardner Minshew. It turns out the sixth round pick for the Jags was at the time 11 for 11 for something over 100 yards and a a touchdown, I believe. Um, And yeah, he he had an absolute showing of a game. Uh, Only three incompletions on the entire day. But um, one of them was was an interception, which is a bit unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see sort of where he can pick up. Um, Chark had a good performance as well on the receiving end. Um, lot less yeah. D.D. Westbrook hype now <laughs> after all the fantasy yeah, football. Apparently the, exactly, all the chemistry he was building with Nick Foles over the off-season is now obsolete. Kaput. And another team that lost their quarterback early in the season, or just before the season even started, the Indianapolis Colts mm. lost a tight one in overtime in LA against the Chargers. Yeah, I I thought in this game it was it was interesting to see to be honest. Um I obviously the Chargers look a lot a lot different with uh without Derwin James on the defensive front. Um what we saw was sort of them just get kind of complacent in the third quarter and, and let the Colts um make a comeback and tie up the game and send it to overtime. Um on the cult side of things, I think they've they've definitely still got some playmakers with or without Andrew Luck. Uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett proved that he was he was a competent quarterback, which we all kind of knew. But now behind that new offensive line, Marlon Mack had an absolute day. Uh, T.Y. Hilton still showing up two touchdowns on the game, but I think at the end of the day, they just they just couldn't continue the momentum into overtime, and. Yeah, I, they didn't get a chance. Yeah. The Chargers managed to score on the first possession, and it's one of those things that's always going to be brought up in overtime rules. That is it fair? No. But the rules are the rules, 
And it takes us to Seattle, where the Bengals lost a tight one against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one thing I would take away from this game is that, and I was not, I don't think you were expecting it either, Slu. Andy Dalton to have that kind of game, that kind of performance. Absolutely not. With, no. um, you know, without his best player AJ Green on on the field, John Ross showed that he he has talent, legitimate first round talent. Um, with with an absolute game, two touchdowns on on that side of things. Um, I think the like I'm obviously I find myself talking a lot about the the losers of these matchups, but I, I just found more things intriguing. Well, I think about... that's what it is. I think that's what it is in week one. I think the losers don't lose because they're bad. It's maybe because they're not quite ready. A lot of teams lose in week one and then go on streaks later in the year. I think the Bengals could be one of those mm. teams. They looked a lot better than I, I was expecting the Seahawks to win this game comfortably. And I did like what they did at parts. I thought Chris Carson was very nicely involved in the passing game as well as the running game. And DK Metcalf looks like everything he was billed to be is that massive deep threat. Yeah, I, I, I think... But, oh, sorry. <laughs> So you're right, though. But the Bengals, with um, Zach Taylor as their new head coach, who were almost ridiculed for that move, they looked efficient. They looked good. They go. They went into Seattle, which is always a tough place to play, against the Seahawks defense. Just looking better than what it was at the beginning of the off season. Clowney looked good, but they neutralized him by the end of the first quarter, and they they played really well. It was a very nice game plan from them. And their, and their offensive line looked competent as well that's the other thing and which is surprising for the Bengals yeah Andy Dalton had time like on a lot of these passes he was holding the ball for five plus seconds and he, <laughs> had, he had time to get to get rid of it I know the Seahawks don't have the biggest names in terms of just actual pass rush this year but um, no like I, I, I was definitely impressed by the Bengals performance whether or not they won the game uh-huh. but I, I also mm-hmm. thought it was going to be kind of the Seahawks bashing but it turns out the Bengals might be be legitimate contenders this year, depending on uh, how soon they get AJ Green back and how they progress with things. Yeah, so it's yeah it's something we've always known that Andy Dalton, given time and good play calling, can be a competent quarterback in this league. And from the maybe most impressive losers of a game this week to arguably the least impressive winners, the 49ers went into Tampa Bay and squeaked out a victory. Mm. Against famous Jameis and his many picks. Yeah, do you want to take the lead on this one, Slew? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was riding pretty high on the Niners going to this season. I rate Kyle Shanahan as a coach highly. I think he's been forgotten unfairly because of Sean McVay. But they just didn't look explosive on offense. They were reliant on Kittle. Garoppolo made it at a couple of iffy throws. Dante Pettis, who we heard about all offseason, only had one catch for about seven yards or something like that. Yeah. And they just and they couldn't break away from a Buccaneers team that also wasn't very great. They got run over by Ronald Jones the second, and they were relying on some defensive turnovers. They had more picks in this game with three than they had the entire last season, and I don't think that's something they can rely on to win games for the for the rest of the year. Yeah, R- Richard Sherman had a pick, which was um, I kind of forgot that Richard Sherman was. An elite quarterback. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. He was completely silent last mm-hmm. year, and um, but yeah, I, I came away from this game sort of thinking indifferent. So yeah, that that was kind of it for the the forty nine. I was kind of indifferent towards it, but um, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if if their offense lives up to the some of the some of the hype that it was getting from uh, you know certain hot takers on. Twitter and uh, 
certain news and me. sources such as slurs. <laughs> so the Cowboys look pretty great as well. They completely shut down the Giants, apart from an occasional Saquon Barkley big run. But Typical. they're great on defense. I like really like their play calling. They used Dak's legs when they needed to. They a lot of play action screens, and they and they didn't just run blindly into stacked boxes. They ran when it was favourable to do it. Something they haven't always done in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And what I saw a similarity between the Cowboys and the Ravens actually this week. There was a lot of play action. They used the run when they needed to, and those off those play actions, I've looked into. It. Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott were a combined twenty-one for twenty-four, three hundred and sixteen yards, and five touchdowns off play action passes Jesus this week. Christ, that's an interesting stat you've just pulled out of your ass. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've I not even thought of that. But if, to me, it was just the coming out party for for Dak. You know, like a lot of like we said, mm-hmm. with, um, the contract situation going on with Dak. People were very livid on Instagram and sort of social media about Dak asking for forty million or whether or not he did ask for forty million. Well, that's behind us now. He's shown up to the first game of the season and, and put in over four hundred yards for four touchdowns. Um, kind of took the steam away from from Zeke coming into this mm-hmm. one, who who just signed that big contract, as we all know, uh, two over hundred yards on two receivers. The the talent on this Cowboys team, both on the offense and defense, it, it's kind of ridiculous when you when you look at it, and it's absolutely yeah, it's, it's just it, I do understand why Cowboys fans are so irrational. That's what I'm gonna say. Well, after after seeing what the Ravens did this week, did you feel a bit cowboy fanish? Yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> We're completely stacked. <laughs> we, we've completed five passes. We're amazing. Ten passes. So the run. Lions, which they in a game that they threw away almost against the Cardinals. The Cardinals didn't do much until halfway through the third quarter, and then did the air raid come to play? Kyler Murray showed out after that, leading them back from a huge deficit, taking them to overtime. But not before Matt Patricia decided to screw the Lions by calling a timeout right before they executed a third down pass that would have won them the game. <laughs> yeah, um, I I remember turning this game on um, and seeing that the Cardinals were down seventeen to three and just being like, "Nice, cool, the air raid doesn't work, it's fine." <laughs> <laughs> and then I came. I- no need to panic, guys. Send it back to college, it's all over. <laughs> phone it in, boys. But, um, yeah, no, I, I woke up in the morning, looked at my phone, to my surprise, they had made it back to tie the game. Um, yeah, I, I thought, to be honest, I was pretty impressed. Um, David Johnson had a, had a pretty decent showing, both on, on the ground and in the air. Um, yeah, no, and L- Larry Fitz looks like... Larry Fitz, fountain of youth, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, old Larry Fitz is coming back. You know, he had a, he had a few big moments, a few contested catches in there that that just reminded me of the good old days. You know. Yeah, lots going to be talked about of four batted passes from Kyler Murray, given his height and all of that. But you know what? I don't care. He proved that he can play in the NFL, and kudos to him for that. Mm, definitely. Which leads us to the Sunday night football game. Before the game, we already heard that. Antonio Brown, whatever you want to think of him, he's still a fantastic football player, has decided to join the New England Patriots <laughs> on a one-year deal. 
Mm. And what do the Patriots do with that? Do they start slow, ready to ease Antonio Brown into the offense? No, they just dismantle the Steelers. Brown's scorned lover. Yeah, um, it was it was not fair to be honest. This is this is on on par with obviously um, when we're facing the Dolphins and battering the Dolphins, it's kind of expected. But we we me and Matt both picked the Steelers to win this matchup. We we both thought. You know, going into the uh, knowing the Patriots' slow starts at the beginning of the season, they would they would have another slow start, and this talent on the Steelers' offense um, was going to shine through. But really, what I found out is that you know, Roethlisberger doesn't look all that. Um, James Connor struggled. Smith Schuster looked good, um, but mm. he he can't provide for the the entire team. They they need to pick stuff up on offense. They need to score some points. You can't come out of a, a game scoring three points overall. Um, Especially when you've had the whole offseason to prepare for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think... Uh, they should have been, this is their biggest game of the year, is the New England Patriots. And they couldn't... And they weren't ready for it. They lose all the time in Foxborough. You'd thought, right, they've got as much time as Belichick does to play this game. But no, they come out get absolutely battered. Which means before the Monday night games, we're recording this just before the games kick off, yes. our rankings from week one. So in last place with seven predicted right answers and six wrong, along with, we're going to discount the tied game because, let's be honest, no one predicts a tie. I predict a tie is, this season. <laughs> okay, just to be spiteful. Yeah. In that case, you can have it as a loss if you want, Joe. Right. No. <laughs> so that's Matt with a seven and six record. In second place, with a ten and three record, is winner. Joe. <laughs> Which means going into the fun Monday night games, I've got a one game lead over Joe, but we have both picked opposite sides of the Broncos yes, Raiders game. Yeah. And let's throw to ourselves in the future with what happened in those games. Yeah, thanks very much, past Sam and Joe. It sounds like a good podcast from what I've already listened to. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So, yeah, so the Saints-Texans game on Monday night, if that was, I think the best way to describe that was a bit of a howitzer. Yeah, it was It was absolutely insane. I, I have no real words to describe what happened, but um, yeah, well, why don't we get into it? <laughs> so, obviously, it was a last-second field goal from the Saints after the Texans looked like they'd gone with a go-ahead touchdown to new incoming wide receiver Kenny Stills who looked like he paid off that first round draft pick they shipped for him and Laramie Tunsil straight away mm. and a win at New Orleans would have been a great way to start the Texans season but unfortunately as has been a trend with the Texans over the past year or so since they've had the Sean Watson they seem to have an inability to call defensive games once they're ahead in the last few minutes they can't close these games out yeah it, it seems to be a growing trend that the the Texans, if you give them a minute or less on the clock, they're just gonna the mess it mess it up. Would that prevent defense? It seems to be they're having real struggles just allowing yards using the prevent defense. And um, yeah, I mean it was a really entertaining game all round. I thought the Texans would have it, but then I saw oh, there's about fifty seconds on the clock. They're probably gonna run de- <laughs> prevent defense, and that's what happened. So. Yeah, it was a strange decision to run that prevent defense when they only needed five or six yards to exactly. hit a field goal. 
Obviously, one receiver got a little bit free. Aaron Colvin, the nearest man in coverage, has been cut since, despite being guaranteed $7.5 million this year. <laughs> but no, let's just clear all blame away from Bill O'Brien. I'm sorry, the Texans GM, whoever that is at the moment. It's definitely not Bill O'Brien. But it just seems like he's running out of people to blame at the moment. And again, Deshaun Watson took six sacks. He's already leading the league in sacks taken against the Saints defence that was missing a couple of its... Um, rotation at D-tackle. Mm. It's going to be a long season for him. Yeah, Laramie Tunsil was a bit like a uh, a plaster on a, on a decapitated head, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> not helpful. Not, yeah, you know, obviously he's he's going to do do his bit. He's going to, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but you, you, you understand my point. You know, he's... I he's, get you. There's a lot more issues to solving one left tackle. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you, you fixed one fifth of your O line. Okay, you need to still mm-hmm. put the investment in, like like the Colts did, a bit too late. If that's it, yeah, I I think it was just some poor offensive line play, really. Absolutely. And on the Saints side of thing, my biggest takeaway from this was Latavius Murray running for forty three yards, running about seven point two yards a carry, and he looks like he can fill that Mark Ingram role. And if he can come in when Alvin Kamara needs a breather and be effective, that's going to keep that Saints offense chugging along nicely. Mm. And and you're still having Alvin Kamara get over 160 scrimmage yards as well. So I think we found out that Alvin Kamara can be the lead back here. And also Latavius Murray is a suitable backup to, to Mark Ingram because he's now doing bits in Baltimore. So <laughs> Couldn't get through that without mentioning Baltimore. Did you know Baltimore won this weekend, Joe? Yeah, I've, I've heard um, a few rumours that we're going to beat the Cardinals next week, but I'm not too sure about it. <laughs> Okay, so the second game, a division matchup between the Raiders and the Broncos. The Raiders without number one receiver Antonio Brown, who is at the Patriots, though, for how much longer, no one really knows, given the whole allegations against him, which we're not going to get into now in our quick roundup. It's a bit more of a sensitive topic Deep than we've got time for today. Yeah. But the Raiders look good. Derek Carr, 22 for 26, and Josh Jacobs looked pretty great on the ground as well. Yeah, that, that was my biggest thing here. Is Josh Jacobs did look very serviceable obviously I, I didn't really know what was going to happen coming out I didn't know how their receivers would gel if you understand what I mean what we found out is that Antonio Brown who wasn't really present in, in training camp that year obviously didn't want to be there is going for his own stuff now but Derek Carr's obviously built some chemistry with his receivers in particular Tyrell Williams who had an absolute breakout game emerging as kind of a I guess the top receiver for Oakland, which is a mm. bit strange given his circumstances in LA. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a really good performance here from from the Raiders proving Joe Flacco is possibly not elite. Yeah, but he's big, he's tall and he's got a strong arm, so he's John Elway's perfect quarterback. It doesn't matter if they win games. Oh yeah, definitely. On, on the Broncos side of things, it was worrying because their defence wasn't effective in this game. They've got two great pass rushers in Nick Chubb and Von Miller. And the Raiders revamped O-line. They got rid of Kelechi Assimile. They brought in Trent Brown. They kept what looked like a flop Colton Miller on the left side of that line. But they performed well. It's good good omens for the Raiders, actually. Yeah, I, th- I think what we're, we're starting to see now is a sort of growing trend where an investment into the offensive line is is the way forward. Yeah, the, Ru- the Russian game, they're two good runners. Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay combined for about 100 yards off 20 or so carries. And that's effective. They've got a good change-up. you got Royce Freeman with his power. And he looks a bit more elusive than he did last year. Mm. My, worry, my worry is that Philip Lindsay, he almost got bottled up at times. People are respecting his speed a lot more than they were last time around. And 
is he going to be able to find the holes and get to the outside as much as he was last year? Yeah, I guess there isn't as much of a surprise factor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it was a good win for the Raiders after what was a bit of a tumultuous off-season. And I think we're going to throw it back to you guys back on Monday now then. Back in the studio. Wow, I just can't believe that happened. Joe, can you believe the games went like that? Yeah, I, I just... Um, it was absolutely ridiculous. And can you believe that, that touchdown that that receiver scored? It was insane. That was definitely so, football. Think, <laughs> speaking of things that are insane, Antonio Brown signed with the New England Patriots. Oh. And after that, news broke that apparently the Patriots tried to trade for him over the summer, but the Steelers were having none of it. This isn't all a big ploy. They, that, this wasn't all that well thought through, was it? Yeah, I think... I think... Antonio Brown had planned this from the start. I was going to go get in a fight with Mike Mayock and get myself cut just so I can get on the, the Patriots. But no, yeah. I, I think it's interesting news, obviously. Um, the, the thing is, a lot of people have kind of said this and this might be the crack in the, the Patriots' armour, sort of bringing someone who has proven to be that big a locker room problem into your team right now um and you can see from his instagram post he put up the first thing he put up was uh like a drawing of himself sitting on a a bunch of money in a patriots jersey and that's the most anti-bill belly check belly check thing i've ever seen belly check check. (laughs) he checks bellies um but yeah so it was it just wasn't a bill belichick move but i don't see Obviously, Antonio Brown is one of the most talented receivers in the league, and I understand why the Patriots want him on their team. But at the same time, I think you have to be aware of what you've got now. And obviously, against mm-hmm. the against the Steelers, they had a, an amazing game, um, and that was without Antonio Brown. I don't think they need Antonio Brown on this team to win a Super Bowl. They've they've proved <laughs> like, but they've got him anyway. But I don't. I think of anything that's going to take away. Like there's going to be problems. I d- so yeah, I think... that's that's what the real question is. Will Antonio Brown grow up under Belichick and the Patriots? Yeah, I'm hoping he just blows that team up. You know, just <laughs> yeah, he's... that's the bitterness talking. <laughs> and speaking of bitterness. Let's get into week two, where some teams have to try and avenge some losses. Maybe the most tentative link ever, but we're going to roll with it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, so Thursday night football. We're going to double down on this. The bitter rivalry between the Panthers and the Bucks. Yes, I'm just getting up my notes, so why don't you start? <laughs> All right, I think the Panthers are going to win this, and I think they're going to win this quite comfortably. The Bucks got, I don't know, beaten by a poor 49ers team last week. Jameis didn't look good with the ball. I just think the Panthers are better in every aspect than the Niners, and they should run all over the Bucks as well. Yeah, I've, win Panthers. I've I've got the Panthers as well on this one. Um, like we said before, McCaffrey looks really good. Um, the offense is going to put a lot of pressure on Jameis Winston to catch up, and if he makes the same sort of mistakes that he made last week, this sort of classic Jameis Winston poor timed throws and panicking. Um, then I think this is doubtful for the Bucks. I, th- I think I'm think i going to go with the Panthers on this one. Absolutely. Um, Matt has also gone with the Panthers. He's set his, set his picks in. P- and we P- could P- really P- screw him over here, but let's go with his actual picks. It's a triple pick for the Panthers. Triple pick for the Panthers. The pip pip And so your Ravens going against the high-flying Cardinals. Semi-high-flying, they managed to tie. 
but same thing. I think they're medium flying, firstly, and I think the Ravens are high flying and we're going to take this game. I think our offense looks, obviously it was against Miami as the caveat, but our offense looks potentially explosive. Um, I would also rank Miami secondary above what the Cardinals have now at secondary, especially with all with Patrick Peterson uh, suspended. And I trust our D-line and secondary to limit the Cardinals' output. Um, and we have the depth on our D-line so that we won't get tired. Sort of a bit like the, the Lions. Some argued that the Lions Absolutely. did. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so the Cardinals' defence did step up in the second half of that Lions game. But you're right, I think the Ravens, they offer a lot more versatility, a lot more explosiveness than the Lions did. Ooh. I think you can attack them in different ways. And I think you managed to get a win against the Cardinals and go to 2-0. Ooh, exciting times. I think, I think you've got a tough... Yeah, you've got a tougher back end of a defence as well than the Lions do, and that's really where the Cardinals could like to attack in the short passing game. Mm. And I just think you... I think they'll put up points, but you should do well enough to secure the win. And again, Matt's gone for the Ravens as well, making it another triple pick. Triple pick. Okay. So the Detroit Lions, after a tough tie, which they almost threw the game away again, mm. are going to LA to face the Chargers. They also almost threw the game away. <laughs> Absolutely. Two overtime teams. Um, were one of them actually trying to manage to win a game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the Chargers fought a hard game against the Colts. Um, the defence looks to have taken a toll or a step back without Derwin James. But Austin mm-hmm. Eckler has proved to be a suitable replacement for Melvin Gordon in his performance. Um, I am going to say that the Chargers have this one. Uh, I don't predict it's going to be... Um, I think it's it's going to be a, a close one, but I, I'm going to say Chargers here. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, this is one that I wasn't really sure about. Matt's gone with the Lions, but yep. I think I'm going to side with you. I think I'm going to go for the Chargers. I think they've got, even without Derwin James, I think they've got a better defence than the Cardinals. They've still got Bosa, Melvin Gordon, Ingram, even they don't have Melvin Gordon. Mm. But as you said, yeah, Austin, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson did a good job substituting in for him this week. Philip Rivers... He does throw silly picks, but I think he's also a better quarterback at this moment. No, he's not even a think. He is a better quarterback at this moment than Kyler Murray. And the Lions did look iffy on the back end at times. So that goes for the Chargers. And the Titans, the, the Super Bowl-winning team slaying Titans mm. against the Andrew Luckless Colts. The Andrew Luckless Colts. Um, I think... Personally, with me, I'm going to go with the Titans on this one. And this is because, in my opinion, Marcus Mariota has a lot more options now. And this is what we were saying that he didn't have last week. I'm wrong. Sorry, guys. But AJ Brown sort of emerged as a a pretty good receiving threat of over 100 yards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Derek Henry seems to have carried on his end-of-season magic into the beginning of the year. Um, And they play... This is the main difference, I think. They they have a better, stronger defence than the Colts right now. Um, I think the, the Titans' defence will give them the edge in this matchup. So I'm going with the Titans here. Okay. Yeah, Matt's also sided with the Titans. I'm actually going to go with the Colts in this one. Ooh. I think their O-line's a lot sturdier than the Browns was. The Titans' defence won't be able to have their way with them as much. And I just think it would be the most tightest thing to go into... Cleveland win against a team that's predicted to win the Super Bowl by a lot of people 
and then get humbled by the Colts in their own division, a team that they look like they should be better than yeah. on paper. Yeah, that's true. I just think that would be the most tightest thing. I think the Colts will be hard-pressed, hard and they just feel a... They almost went and won in, against the Chargers. I think they'll be disappointed with that. I think they feel they should have won that game. And I think they'll go out and beat the Titans. Mm. I mean... Just to throw the AFC South into just a bit more chaos than yeah. it's already in. The Titans handle pressure really well, and they've shown that throughout history. So um, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one here, Slew. <laughs> okay, so as I said earlier, the best losers from week one against maybe the worst winners from week one, the Bengals at the 49ers. Mm. Um, okay, I mean, I've actually last minute changed this based on what we've, we've kind of said, but I'm going to go with the Bengals. Thank you for your honesty. I, I'm i going to go with the Bengals, to be honest. Um, I think Andy Dalton had a really good game. John Ross looks legit. Their D-line as well uh, looks pretty damn good, and I didn't really see enough out of the 49ers to... Mm-hmm. Um, have faith in them moving forward as much um, whereas out of the, the Bengals I saw a very competitive game when I expected it to be a blowout so I'm going to go with the Bengals here what about you? yeah absolutely well prior to the recording I had I do have the Bengals circled as the winners and it is going to pay me to do this but I'm gonna, again I'm going to pick the Bengals the 49ers yes. I was on them all summer and after one bad game, I'm straight <laughs> off that bandwagon. I do feel a little bit disloyal about that, but the Bengals impressed me, and I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to rely on turnovers two weeks in a row. I just don't think that's a feasible way of winning games. Who did Matt pick out of this one? Matt went with the Diners. Oh, interesting. I, I think it's quite interesting on that note as well, just to think uh, what, how wrong preseason like predictions can be. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have this sort of image in our head and like, oh, the 49ers are going to do this this year. Look at the, the talent the Browns have and everything like this. And it's so easy to get sucked up in that. But we actually don't yeah, it's know. That's what Delaney it. Walker said after after the game. And the, he said, they are what we thought they were. You can have all these pieces, but you still got to actually play the game of football. Exactly. That That's the end. Of, that's it at the end of the day. Like, I think until week one of the, the actual NFL season, you don't know what's going to happen. So we, we can't accurately make these ridiculous promises like the Browns are going to make the AST Championship. <coughs> mm-hmm. Fuck. Exactly, yeah. You're right. And so the Texans, who at the point of recording haven't played yet, so like you just said, we don't know until we see them, mm-hmm. against the um, Gardner Minshew-led Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I honestly have very little to no idea what's going to happen in this game <laughs> based on the lack of information present. Uh, but I think I'm I'm gonna go with the Jags on this one. I think playing against the Chiefs it, offense is just a whole nother thing. I think the defense is gonna sort of rebound this week against the Texans. Um, obviously, it depends how the Texans do, but I I think Fournette's gonna have uh, more carries, have be more of a presence in this game, um, stay in the entire time, and. Yeah, I think they're going to set it up with the run. Um, and then Gardner Minshew is going to come off and throw another like sort of 80%, 90% completion rate. Happy, <laughs> like 200 yards here, there, whatever. I know you hate this, Joe, but I would like to point out that Gardner Minshew does come from an air raid college offense. I do know how much you hate that. Oh, God. Yeah, he's just a system keeper. All your love for him is just gone straight away. <laughs> no, I don't mind it in college. Just don't bring that shit over to the big leagues, man. <laughs> The big leagues. The big okay, leagues. so I think 
the Texans are going to win this game. I think they've had a lot of shit talked about them, but they've shored up that offensive line with Laramie Tunsil. He'll have another week to settle in before they play the Jags. And I think Deshaun Watson and Hopkins are going to manage just to eke out a win in Jacksonville. I don't think the Jag... They're going to have a week to prepare for Minshew as well. I think that's the difference. When you come in cold and a team hasn't got... seen a lot of what you can do, how you play... Yeah, I think you're gonna be more prepared for them. Yeah, you've got to prepare against Minshew, mate. You can never really tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so an NFC North matchup: the Packers at the Vikings. Matt has the Vikings winning this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Matt on the Vikings on this one as well. I think they looked really good last game. Um, Dalvin Cook set a standard for the rushing attack of the Vikings. I think they're trying to game manage rather than uh, set these sort of ridiculous uh, offensive numbers. I think out of what we saw from the Packers and Bears, obviously they're facing one of the best defences in the league in the Bears, but I think the Vikings defence is is up there in contention with one of the better defences in the league, and I think the output of the Vikings will just outmatch that of the Packers from what we've seen so far anyway. Yeah, I'm going to, again, side against you and Matt. I'm going to go with the Packers in this one. I'm not entirely sure why. I've just got a feeling a bit. I think I like what they did to shut down the Bears' rushing attack. I think the Vikings' O-line in the middle, like I said earlier, looks vulnerable. I think that they come out, sneak a win, and put themselves really in prime position for that NFC North. Yeah. I also think they'll have a lot to prove as well after being shut down on offense against the... Bears. The Vikings, they did well in the red zone, but they did look like they could be beaten at times. And I think if anyone could do that, it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. Mm, I do think it's going to be a close game, to be fair. I, I, I can imagine mm-hmm. sort of... Like, I think it could be a field goal winning this one. Yeah, like a 21-24, 27-24, 20, mm-hmm. maybe. Which somehow seems to be scoring every single NFC North <laughs> matchup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just pick, go 24-27 and one of the teams is going to win it. Exactly. This is what you need. Okay, so... The Redskins at the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, I'm going to... What, what did Matt say, firstly? I assume he's picked... Matt, funny enough, went with the Redskins. What? <laughs> I, I know, I was shocked as well. I thought I misread that. That can't be real. Okay, all right. Well, apparently, Matt's an idiot. So, um, I'm going to pick the <laughs> Cowboys on this one. <laughs> um, Dak looks like he's taken some huge strides in the offseason with that performance last week. I think the Cowboys, like we said, whether Slu likes it or not, do have an extremely talented roster on both sides of the ball. And that's why you you have this weird contract situation where you're trying to pay everyone because the talent you have on offensive line, uh, on on your defense, on your skill positions as well, is just so extreme that they're, they're having all these problems. And I think the Redskins just sort of lack that talent the talent gap is too high between yeah, the Cowboys and the you. Redskins. Especially with um, yeah. Geis is now out of the lineup again. AP was questionable, didn't start last week. It was questionable. So, I mean, it's basically, at the moment, it's only Chris Thompson is the the only starter at running back for them, which obviously Chris Thompson is a, is a fantasy legend. I love him. But um, I don't know if I trust him to start and put in a, a good performance. Not against, against that Cowboys, Cowboys front yeah. seven. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I agree with you. Like you said, the I don't like it, but that Cowboys team is extremely talented. And if they look like they've improved play calling on offense with Callum Moore as their new OC, mm. then they could be a very scary team this year. I did pick them to make the wild card spot, so I'm not going to be a complete hater here. And I think they'll 
beat the Redskins, who looked sort of stunned after going up early against the Eagles and weren't able to... They got shut down and they thought it's almost quite a one-dimensional offense. It was pl- run, 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 play action, hope that the Eagles secondary got beat. And I think the Cowboys secondary is maybe more talented than the Eagles. I think they'll be able to shut down that Redskins team. Yeah, definitely. I can't believe Matt picked All right, the Redskins. All right, so, yeah, so the Steelers at the Seahawks. Matt's picking the Seahawks. Hmm. Okay. Um, I wonder who you picked, Slew, as I've started the last few times. Oh, uh, fair enough. We've gone halfway. I'll pick the West, West first. So I'm going to also pick the Seahawks. What I see when I see the Seahawks is a very similar way of beating them that the Steelers just lost to. You get Chris Carson out of the backfield. The Steelers just got torn up by running backs out of the backfield like the Patriots do to everyone. But you've got Josh Gordon, DK Metcalf. They're a similar sort of body shape, play style. Mm. And then you've got Philip Dorsett and um, Lockett as well, who's that speedster who just absolutely torched the um, Steelers over the edge. I think the Seahawks are good enough on the front side. Clowney's a great run stuffer. And although Juju might have a big game, we just didn't see enough out of the Steelers to prove that they can mm. beat teams with us that have a solid defense. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree and say the Seahawks as well. And I think a lot of this comes down to um, the the lack of production on the missing parts of, of the Steelers' offense. And what I mean by that is... Um, so James Conner last year showed up big time after Left Bell was out for the year um, on this holdout. But we didn't see that sort of same production and we haven't seen... Big Ben had a bit of a shocker of a game last uh, last week against, against the Pats. So I think I'm going to have to go mm-hmm. Seahawks on this one, sorry. Um, I just don't think... Like you said, I think the offensive weapons they have uh, takes takes the edge there. And so the Giants at the Bills, the New York battle. Mm. I think, like Matt does, the Bills are going to win this one. I think they show. I just don't think the Giants are very good. To be honest, I don't really <laughs> feel need to explain it. But the Bills, the Bills look better than they did last year. The Giants look pretty crap, apart from Saquon. Eli's trying to run bootlegs on fourth and one to try and get past like Leighton Van Der Esch, trying to duke him out of his skin. Do you, do you, I don't know. The Giants aren't going to win this one. It's the Bills. It's simple. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Bills as well on this one. I think, like we said, the the Giants just aren't very talented. To be honest, I think it's. It's kind of sad. It's another year that we're going to see where Saquon has kind of faded away into the darkness, put, putting out all the production for his team. Um, it'll be interesting as well. Like when, when, what, at what stage do we start to think of, you know, getting Daniel Jones in there? But you know, obviously not now, but in in the coming weeks, I'm I'm going to go with the Bills on this one. I think I think they just completely outclass the Giants on every side of the ball. So. Okay, another one that sh- I'm pretty comfortable with calling the Dolphins <laughs> and the Patriots, and it's going to be the Dolphins. <laughs> Obvi- obviously not. It's, <laughs> it's going to be the Patriots. I think, is there a better game? Yeah, obviously Matt picked the Patriots yeah, as well. Obviously. He didn't pick the Dolphins. He's a fan, but he's not an idiot. Yeah. Is there is there an easier game that you could ease Antonio Brown into the lineup with? Uh, no, I don't think there is. Um, that is, of course, if I'm going with the Patriots, which... Of course I am. Um, I I just don't think Mm. the Dolphins have, from what I saw against my team last week, if they were facing the Super Bowl winners, I I just don't see you. It might be a a zero burger. Absolutely. I don't see them producing anything, to be honest. 
Yeah, this year on offense, there I think the Patriots look the best they have on defense in years almost, mm. and their offense have got so many weapons. Yeah, they've lost Gronk, but somehow they've managed to get more explosive despite losing their best it's, offensive player. So, it's classic know how Patriots that's move, isn't it? It's just sort of the, oh, look, the world's aligned, now the Patriots are sick again. Excellent. Another year of this shit. <laughs> you say it, you say again like they haven't been to the Super Bowl the last three or four years in a row. It's every year. <laughs> Again. <laughs> okay, so two teams that lost their number one receiver over the weekend, the Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. That is not their number one receiver, sir. The number one receiver for the Chiefs Wait. is Sammy Watkins. And Sammy Watkins. The Lizard King. The, the Lizard King. And Sammy Watkins is the reason the Chiefs are going to win this match. I, I say the reason. The reason is Pat Mahomes. Delivering one of the, the reasons. To Sammy Watkins. But... Yeah, for, for me, this is an obvious Chiefs victory here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see any way the Raiders can compete with them. on Their, their defence won't be able to match up against the Chiefs' offence at all. If yeah, the Chiefs are right. back to the Jags, what are they going to do to the Raiders at the end of the day? Absolutely. Yeah, the Chiefs' offence is explosive. The Raiders' defence is full of holes. <laughs> and the Chiefs are a better team all round, just as you said. Yeah. Okay, so the tastiest game of the weekend, in my opinion, and maybe one of the best games in the year, the LA Rams at the New Orleans Saints, and you know it's going to be absolutely rocking yeah. in the Dome. Yeah, I, I I, think so as well. What what has Matt got for this, just out of interest? Matt, like myself, has the Saints winning this. Yeah, I'm going to be boring and pick the Saints as well. Obviously, um, at this point, we actually don't know how they did, but... I'm going to assume they did pretty well. Um, yeah, they spent all off-season being like, we got to win. Because there's two years in a row, there was the Minneapolis miracle, and then there was the non-pass interference call. Yeah, literally changed and the And they want this. It may be Drew, one of Drew Brees' last years, if not the last, and there's no way they, they don't try and put 50 points on the Rams this time. And again, they feel they should have won last year. Yeah, I, I think this is a very interesting matchup given what happened last year. I, I think the Saints are going to go in with a very heavy heart, very angry. Um, I think they're going to take this, to be honest. I, I can see it being a pretty exciting game, but based on Jared Goff's performance last week in a winning effort, I just he is going to have to catch up with the Saints' output, I think. Um, Absolutely. Okay, so the Vic Fangio Bowl... Denver Broncos <laughs> going to the Chicago Bears. The Vic Bowl. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pick the Chicago Bears on this one. I think this is going to be an absolute slogger of a game. I do not want to watch this. It's going to be a bunch of running the ball in good defense. So I think it's going to be an, a stale 9-3 victory to the Bears off-field goals. But I do think maybe what we see is David Montgomery get a few more stat, uh, snaps. They're going to move away from this weird trio of running back, triple-headed offense thing that they were doing last week against the Packers. I think they're going to realize that's not going to work. and they, they should give Montgomery, who showed flashes of being of being a potentially good running back if, if he just got the super amount of snaps. Um, they're going to give them a chance and yeah they're just going to grind out a stale disgusting victory what do you think yeah I agree with you I think it's going to be a tough fought game I think the Bears have got more pieces on offense though to win the game I know you love Joe Flacco I know he's your favorite player you're even named after him yeah indeed but I think the Bears have got more pieces just to maybe eke out that victory it's going to be a low scoring one again but 
Absolutely I think the Bears stoinker. are a better team. Who did, who did Matt pick on this stoinker. one? Matt picked the Bears as well, so yeah. that's like five or six in a row that we've all agreed on, which I'm sure is very entertaining yeah, to listen to. bloody annoying, isn't it? Let's disagree on something. So, all right, the Falcons at the Eagles. Right, well, I... I'm going to go with the Eagles because I think we lost Malik Jackson at D-tackle, but like I said, they lost Chris Lindstrom, who's an O-lineman, and our D-line rotation is still deep enough to beat a Falcons team, and Matt Ryan has never won a game in Philadelphia. Um, all right, given what we just said, I'm also going to go with the Eagles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just, based on what we saw from last week with the Falcons, I, I don't imagine, I think they might be struggling or, you know, they could just be slow to pick it up, but I didn't see much out of Julio Jones um, and, you know, the playmakers on that offense. Mm-hmm. I think the Eagles had a showing. Maybe we see a bit more out of... Um, I've just got this image of, you know, Alshon having a day, you know. Well, Alshon looked good in week one once the second half kicked off. He looked like yeah, he's got a... paying attention to Sean. A be- yeah, exactly. A better chemistry with Carson Wentz after all the stuff that came out over the off-season. And I'm excited for this Eagles offense. And as I said earlier, the Falcons, they look like they have the same issues that they did the last couple of years. And the Eagles have found a way to beat them both of those years. I don't think anything's going to change this week. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay. And who did Matt pick? So the, was it also the Eagles? Matt also picked the Eagles, oh, of course it. he did. <laughs> okay, so the the final game, the Monday Night Football game, is the Jets at the Lowly Browns. Uh, okay, all right. Um, do you want me to go, or do you want to go first? Oh, wait, let's hear what Matt said first, okay. out of interest. Matt said, the, Matt said the Browns. Matt said the Browns, okay. Well, I'm actually also going to agree with Matt on this one. I think they... Uh... Damn it, that's that's another agreement. <laughs> Not another one. Okay, but um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's just, I think the Browns are going to have a bit of a bounce back. Obviously, it was a shock coming in and getting beaten by the Titans in the mm. way that they did, but I think that uh, they just have a, a lot of tools on offense and defense, and it would be, it would be a shame to see that um, lack of sort of realization of of the talent payoff almost yeah sort of yeah we we all want to see a payoff and i think we saw flashes of greatness followed by unrelenting penalties if they just become more disciplined on offense uh this week then they you know i trust them against the jets who look to have absolutely that's the key yeah um yes they can not almost not back yeah, so if, I always want them to buy into their hype, come out with a bit of swagger, don't be downtrodden, come out, prove people wrong, their season's not done, they still can come out, they can still win the AFC North, I mean it's going to look a lot harder than it did week one with the Ravens and the Bengals looking a lot more competent than a lot of people were predicting them to, but the Browns are a good team, mm. and teams have overcome bad offensive lines in the past, their defence is still good, yes they left up a lot of points last week, but a lot of that was in the fourth quarter. A lot of that was when they were chasing the game and forcing, almost trying to force interceptions and stuff like that, mm. allowing for better opportunities for the Titans. I think they come back. They've got a lot to prove. And they beat the Jets. Yeah, just like they did last year. That was the Baker Mayfield coming out party where they beat the Jets. And I think I think we're going to see that again this year. And like, like you said, the last game was kind of inflated the scoreline a bit, what happened in the fourth quarter when they were trying to catch up. But... Yeah, I think I think we're going to see mm-hmm. a big step up in the Browns this week. Absolutely. 
So that's the end of our show today. I've been Sam. Thank you for listening. I've been joined by Joe Costanzo down the line. Absolute pleasure, Slew, as always. So next time we'll be rejoined by Matt, who'll bring with him the London Monarchs. And we'll see if any of our predictions are right. Until that time, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dropback, on Facebook at The Dropback UK. Check out our, our website for almost daily news and articles released, and that's thedropback.com. And also check it out our YouTube channel, which is also, funnily enough, The Dropback Podcast. And we've got a really nice piece on there where Matt and Joe went to see the Brit Bowl final. Yes. That's up on YouTube. Indeed. But until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. See ya.